This week, we hurtle across an Indian desert with Lauren Bacall. I meet a lady in the hospital who reminds me of a great song that I'd forgotten. We look at Richard Burton hating the entire human race in the 70s. And we remember fondly the time when Han Solo might have visited the island. Welcome to They Don't Make Them Like They Used To. Hello, good evening. My name is Tosin and I am your host for the next hour through the... As we as we look back nostalgically at the movies made pre-1980 and just sort of talk about how great they were. With me in the studio today is Sean. Hi, yeah. And we have Sharon who is on the way and has promised that she will be here very, very shortly. But first of all, before we go anywhere, I would like to say hello to Victoria. Victoria, who got in touch with us on Facebook, because we interviewed Victoria last week in her pet ward, Alveston, and she actually got back in touch just to say thank you so much for being part of the movie show, and we say thank you, Victoria, you were a star. Yeah, so it's actually quite good. We we love having that kind of like feedback and everything like that, don't, don't we, Sean? We do indeed, yeah. <laughs> no, any feedback's good. <laughs> yes, yeah, speaking about Facebook, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can get in touch with us on Facebook by just looking at either Sunshine Radio um but sunshine radio at saint mary's um isle of Wight, or look for the particular show that we're on which is they don't make them like they used to by the type you, by the time you type in they don't make we will show up and uh, get in touch with us that way and also don't forget the website which is www.sunshineradioiow.com yeah, that's yeah that is uh, yeah, that is correct that's, that's correct yeah. that is correct we got that right uh, we, and the website where, in which you can actually well you can get well the, at the moment there's tickets for best of all we're, we're selling raffle tickets to get two vip tickets to best of all and also um you can also make a request let's say you know somebody who's in the hospital and you're thinking oh i'd like to play a song for them you can make a request on there with a make a request page but yeah that's the website and this is sunshine radio you're listening to us Thank you, Victoria, and thank you to all who are listening right now. I'd like to say hello to Valerie, Valerie in Alveston Ward, who I spoke to earlier today. Thank you so much for giving us your points of view, and we will be playing them lately. Later. Later. <laughs> Later. <laughs> oh, stupid English language. <laughs> all right. All right, cool. Now, a few weeks ago, we spoke about Ice Cold and Alex, because what we do on, this sh- on the show is we usually kick off with a film that we've picked, and we say, this is a bona fide classic. This is a film that we think, man, they knew what they were doing when they were making that. That has just had, like, you know, it's going to be watched forever. And so we spoke about a film called Ice Cold and Alex, which is a bona fide classic, and it's probably the quintessential driving across a desert movie. The more we spoke about this, the more we realized that there could be a subgenre all of its own, the vehicle across the desert movie. So we have the car across the desert movie, which is Ice Cold in Alex. We have the stage cruise ac- stagecoach across the desert movie in the old in the Wild West. Sean, which film is that? That's got to be Stagecoach. Stagecoach, yep. John Wayne's John Wayne's f- filmic debut, and this is not quite a desert, but it is as fraught with danger. We have a ship moving across a forest movie, which is Fitzcarraldo. Fitzcarraldo, Klaus Kinski. Oh, hang on, wait. I keep forgetting. Klaus Kinski. Kinski. I keep forgetting. Yeah. Not kinky. Close, kinky. Close, <laughs> yeah, kinky. kinky. He, he's been in some weird <laughs> movies, but I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps. Who, who was the director? Um, that was uh, Herzog. Was Herzog. It? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought of you, because they had like yeah. a they had a love hate relationship, but they made some great films. Yeah, uh, Fitzcarraldo, we, I think was a yeah, Fitzcarraldo. One, yeah. yeah, that was that was the that's the ship across a forest movie. Yeah. We have a plane across a desert movie, which is Flight of the Phoenix. And then this week, Sean, you said, oh, we need to talk about this film. We need which, to talk about this film. Which is, which is probably about the <laughs> only train across a desert movie I can think of. Uh, well, 
but yeah, without off the top of my head, I can't think of many others. But yeah. but this is just one great movie, and I'm surprised that we, you know, I haven't thought of it before. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, great film. So, great what film. film are we talking about? We're talking about a film called Northwest Frontier. Um, it was did go under another title, I think, in the US, which was Flame Over India. Yeah. It's <laughs> all of us would know it as Northwest Frontier. Um, great film, a British film, but could be a Hollywood film really yeah I mean spectacular everything spectacular about it just a really really good movie yeah because it really does have this it's it's a film that it's as you said British film but like the way it's shot because it's shot in like the northwest frontier area of what was India and it's now actually in Pakistan, Pakistan yep. and it's but just with sort of like you know the widescreen and the great vistas yeah. it actually looks a bit like it has a sort of monument valley-ish look yeah. to it like in the like what you would get in westerns yeah or, or like Lawrence of Arabia and yeah, and, or, uh, yeah 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 you know great big wide open spaces and yeah and it has obviously has Lauren Bacall in it. Oh, yeah. I think this was one of her early, early roles. And she actually refers to it. She she refers to it because in, in the US it was called Flame Over India. She's a great little film with a stupid title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Referring to the American version, version. of uh, the American title of uh, Flame Over India. So yeah, take that Americans. We make better titles than you. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. So what is the storyline of the film? Just give us like a little bit of a prezi about what actually happened and uh, what kicks this whole film off on Okay, well, this, uh, the, the, there's a lot of um, unrest in, in this northwest frontier area, a lot of tribes, um, and there's this prince that needs to be saved because he's like the, the only prince needs to be saved. So you've got this small little group that travel across uh, to get to Delhi. Yeah. And it's just a journey. It's it, it's it's an adventure it's a journey and it's this group of people a lot of movies are like are just a small group of people you know yeah. when, when i think about it all together so this little prince is like really really important but during the journey there's a a character played by herbert long oh, mr herbert van long. Leiden, who is dutch indonesian and he's he's really menacing herbert long i think is a is, is a great character actor and he is quite quite scary and there's moments in the film where you're like Oh no! What's going to happen? Suspenseful moments. There's yeah, lots yeah. of suspense. Yeah, because because yeah, I I quite like Herbert Long because as you said, he's a great character actor and he is really really good at that. Which always makes it a bit weird that the first time I ever saw Herbert Long was in the Pink like Panther movie. I was going to say it was the Pink Panther. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, where he plays like was it like Inspector <laughs> Dreyfus or something yeah, in yeah, the yeah. Pink Panther movies? <laughs> and so you see you see Herbert Long in those, and then you now see him in something like this, and you're like. Whoa! Whoa! Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, he, he as you say, because obviously there's a lot of uh, because it's the the prince is supposed to be the he's he's the next in line to the throne, throne. the Maharaja. Yeah. yeah. But that in that area there's unrest because they're Hindu and the but you have the Muslim you have the Hindu Indians and the Muslim, Muslim Indians. Indians. Yeah. And the Muslim Indians are sort of like rushing the they essentially there's they're leading a revolt and they want to get rid of all the ruling caste and so that means that means that this. Boy, who must be about what ten years old no, or something? About five. He's about five. five okay, yeah. he's even young. Five, so he's really young. Yeah, he, he's even young, and they're just trying to kill him because of what he stands for, because he stands for this royal family. And so you have this. So it's it's. So I think you have Kenneth Moore in the. Kenneth film. Moore, yep. Yeah, he's yep. Captain he, Scott. Yeah, he's he's the captain who's like he's kind of like the leader of this little band. Yeah, he's he's the leader of this little band, and you have um Ron Bracall, who's the who's the American governess. Yeah, and you have a whole sort of ragtag bunch. Wilfred Hyde Wright. <laughs> Wilfred Hyde White, yeah, um, British character actor, really sort of stiff upper class, typical English actor. Um, oh, and then there's a I can't remember the lady's name who plays uh, Lady Windsor, mm -hmm. but uh, 
Yeah, and then there's an arms dealer. Uh, but I can't remember the actor's name either. But yeah. I just know Wilfred Hyde White is... He's, uh, oh, is that... Yeah, Sharon. Sharon chance. just walked in. Oh, that's Sharon, cool. We just we just get let her get plugged in. I'm, <laughs> we'll I'm sure she get... must have seen Northwest Frontier. But the, and the thing is, I liked about this film is okay because if we're going to talk about cars across desert movies, mm. a recent one that was just released in the cinema was Mad Max Fury Road, oh, cool. which yeah. was essentially a car across a desert movie. <laughs> now I know you loved it. I I was I was less enamored about it. And if I compare something like Mad Max Fury Road to something like um to something like uh. Northwest Frontier. I'm looking at Northwest Frontier and I'm thinking that this is a film in which it's a train going across a desert. But what I love about it is just the way that they might ratchet up the tension in all these different oh, ways. Yeah. Because obviously there's all these rebels and you have you have bits where the the, the track is out. And okay, what are we going to do? It's a train. We can't drive around the track being out. So what do we do? And there's all these scenes where they get out of the train and they have to repair the track. The track, yeah. That's... And yeah and something as i find it the way they might get tension out of something as menial as manual labor it's like look we're, we're afraid of the track we're afraid of the track but oh my god the the, the rebels are coming and we, are we going to get the track ready beforehand and all that kind of stuff and i just think it's i just think it's great i just think it's great the way they do it in a way i don't think they do in mad max fury road mm, yeah maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe uh, two different films probably yeah. i think yeah because there's not too much suspense in um Fury Road is there really? Yeah, it's yeah. Just a, it's the suspense in there, whereas in this film you've got lots of suspenseful moments. I yeah, think. I think I, I think that's maybe because that's why that's why I expect from like a thing across the desert thing because like for instance in in Stagecoach and in Fight of the Phoenix, there's always like you know you always have you have this group of people who are pushed together through circumstances, but you don't really know whether they're pushed together through circumstances, but you don't really know whether like you know who they are because in this one you have the Herbert Long character that people aren't entirely sure. What is this guy's agenda? What? Why is he here? Okay, there's Muslims after us, and he's kind of like he's an he's half Indonesian, so he's like you know Muslim as well. And what's he doing here? And I know that in Stagecoach, which I haven't seen, but I know that the John Wayne character is kind of like Ringo. Yeah, yeah. He he's not entirely. And the thing is, you have the whole sort of almost pot boiler thing of okay, we're going somewhere, but at the same time as we're going across, and there's a story of going across this desert, there's this little story being told of all these people together. All the characters. Yeah, yeah. all the characters and the way they interact. Okay, um, we have a little bit of a snippet of sound from the film, and it's what we're going to do is we're going to play a bit, and then after I'm going to stop it, and Sean, if you can explain to us what is happening at this bit in the film. You good with that? Okay, we try. Okay, cool. So here we go. This is, this is a bit of sort of like one of those pivotal tension moments from Northwest Frontier. Thanks. Right, let's have him. Now then, look at me, young fella. Keep looking at me. Now hold him out. Reach out. Right, hold him out, Van Leiden. Well, reach out with him, man. Look at me, young fella. That's a good boy. Don't look down. Come on, man. Stretch out. Peters, get my waist. Hold him out. Well, what's the matter with you? Stretch him out. Go on. Grab the boy. Come 
the devil do you think you're doing? Please. Please, nothing. You deliberately held that boy short. What was that? You nearly dropped him. And you have the audacity to blame me? That's how you wanted it to look. Don't be childish. And what went on in that pump house with that ruddy great flywheel? Pump house? Pump house? What, what is he talking about? Let go of me. Oh, no, Mr. Van Leiden. I'm not letting you go. You're a Muslim, aren't you? I was wondering when you'd bring that up against me. And the people who want to kill that little boy are Muslims, too. Come on! Charlie Wapasau! I'm putting you under close arrest. You do that, Captain Scott, and I'll, I'll put you into every newspaper from Calcutta to Berlin. That's a risk I'll have to take. You disappoint me. I, I really thought you had a brain in spite of being a professional soldier. Yes, I am a professional soldier. And I am a professional journalist. I warn you, you are overstepping your mark. I'm a, I'm a free journalist. My, my job is to report. And my job is to get that boy to Kalapur in safety. Man's a maniac. The sun has gone to his head. Oh, madam, don't you hold that boy around the neck or he'll say you're trying to strangle him. Come on. Pusad me, Pakro. Okay, let's stop that there. Uh, first of all, Sharon, are you with us? I'm with you. Okay, cool. Good stuff. I'm just trying to figure out which mic you're on. Sh Sharon? Yes. Okay, cool. There you go. <laughs> cool. Good. All right, cool. Um, yes, we'll get your thoughts on Northwest. You've seen Northwest Frontier yet? Yes, many times. Okay, yeah. cool. Good. But Sean, could you just tell us what was happening in that clip that we just heard a bit of? Okay, I'll give you a little bit of a run-up. Um, originally, when they start off on the journey, they don't know Mr. Van Leiden is a Muslim. And um, there's one case where the lady asks, says, could could he possibly get a bag down? And uh, it's a pigskin bag. Oh, yeah. And he's, he sort of hesitates, and he really, really hesitates. So he does, but he, like, really hesitates. And then there's a time when they're having a drink, and he goes, I'm sorry, I don't drink. And that's when they find out he's a Muslim. Um, when he was saying about the pump house, that's a scene where Herbert Lom is alone with the With the prince, prince yeah. yeah. And there's this big pump house wheel. And they're playing sticks in it. Yeah. And Herbert Lom has like got his hand on his back, like he's ready to push him in. And of course, the music comes. But of course, Captain Scott comes in just in time and goes, "Get away from there!" So that's the first time. And this bit they're talking about now is they come to this big bridge. Yeah. And some of it's it's really really weak. Yeah. And the rail isn't supported. It's still there, but it's not supported. So they have to unload everybody from the train, and they have to do like a tightrope tightrope walk across the the girder yeah. across this gap yeah and of course van leiden's got the prince he's holding the prince and he's, he's very you know sort of yeah, hold him out man so <laughs> oh hang on a second sorry about that <laughs> okay <laughs> so he's he, he's holding him out but not quite enough that that captain scott can get hold of him so he in the end he manages to grab him and that's when he thinks that he because they know he's a Muslim and because of that incident in the pump house he decides to put him under arrest so that's what that sort of builds up to it's yeah. uh, well, uh, two good bits of suspense yeah I actually quite like that and there's a there's another I, th I don't think I'll play it but there's another bit because after that after he does the whole thing and you have you get you get the sense of the interpersonal sort of like sort of like fractious relationship between all these people, people. and then it, from there he goes back onto the train and then has to drive the train over this rickety R bit that's it yeah he has to over the rickety bit and uh, you can hear just like you know the 
the bits as it's just sort of like you know it's creaking actually okay all there's, right there's um yeah i was going to say the engine driver gupta he's he sort of towers mouth to do it saying, slow down slow down <laughs> okay actually let's let's see if we can okay. find a little bit of that let's see if we can find a little bit of that bit where he good. has to go back in spite of being you can work that out yeah okay this is the bit where he goes back to the train and he meets gupta take it fast Nonsense. The vibration will break up the structure. Look at it. I disagree. There's less dynamic weight on any one girl. Well, who's doing this? You or me? All right. Well, here we go. Careful, sir. Stand by, Gupta. This is it. What happens next? Oh, oh wow. yo, no, no, oh, you're okay. gonna you're gonna have to watch Northwest Frontier to find out. <laughs> okay, okay. You're gonna have to go watch the film, which thankfully is available film. on YouTube. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's I, I I love the way that they just bring they I love the tension that they pull out of those situations of what's going to happen because you think it's a train going across the desert, how many things can go wrong? But they find inventive ways of showing this is a treacherous journey, and I I really really like that. Um, what was Sharon's thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, Sharon, what's your thoughts on Northwest Frontier? Yeah, it's one of those, I think it's one of those Sunday afternoon staples that they regularly put on. But I've always enjoyed it, yeah. And I think, I was just thinking as we were listening to that, about Kenneth Moore, actually. He reminds me in some ways of Sir John Mills in that he's this sort of plucky Englishman who, even though he isn't physically big or imposing, you you trust him. And he's one of those people you think... But he has that element that he could fail as well. So that's where you get the tension from, don't mm. you? That you feel that when he is going across there, that even though you think they're not going to kill our hero, there's still that element of tension because he could he could fail. Yeah, he definitely isn't. But irony. I think, yeah, you've got that sort of plucky English character that I don't think I couldn't think of too many of their art they'd like. But I was thinking yeah, John Mills and I don't know. Kenneth Moore. Kenneth <laughs> Moore, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They did sew up the film and the British film industry in the 1950s, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Kenneth Moore, he's like you say, he's not your your typical Arnie or Stallone or <laughs> Cage or. or <laughs> no, he. I don't he's not an action Bruce movie Willis, star. No, he's not an action but, movie star. Yeah, because where would he sit in today's sort of canon? Because even if you think there are character actors today, but he was like a leading man, wasn't he? He wasn't just a character actor; he was a leading actor as well. He did have films that were based around his star power so yeah. was there anyone of that ilk you know who wasn't 
about their looks or about their athletic ability. Well, but I think, who I has think, that same draw? I think they, they made different films back then because because I mean this this old film like for instance oh okay Northwest Frontier it's the whole idea is that it's showing you a different land it's showing you a different place oh there was a film that well, I think was about legionnaires that you 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 mentioned once I can't remember Guns of No. March or Dine, no. No, no, I can't, I can't remember. Carry but on was, up the Kyber. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, but it's um that whole thing of showing you a different world, and it's kind of showing you somebody who you can identify with in that world. And I think that that's the kind of films that they were making then, and that's why Kenneth Moore did well, because he, he like, for instance, you could look at him, and somebody sitting down in Reading could identify with Kenneth Moore and go, yeah, yeah, that guy looks like me. That could be me in that situation. I and, think... I think he was in a remake of the Thirty Nine Steps. Was he as well? Yeah, I'm, I'm I think he saying. was in the fifties yeah. one, wasn't the 50s he? Fifties version of the Thirty Nine Steps. Oh yeah, so. I don't think I've ever seen that one because the the Robert Donat version that's the thirties, isn't that's, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that's, 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 and then you got Robert Powell it. in the seventies. And, and then you have Rupert Penry Jones in the noughties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny how those actors all you know they, they all typify look, their age though. Don't they, they do. They yeah, are they do. Yeah. of their age. Um, okay. Anything else to say about Northwest Frontier? No, cracking watch. I would recommend anyone to see it. It's yeah. a good, yeah, it's a good watch. If you read any reviews, everybody, you know, all the, all the reviews are good about it. And Lauren Bacall looking, yeah, looking, as she does, smart, intelligent, bit scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great actress. Yeah, she is. She's, she's a strong character in this, isn't she's, she? You, she I don't think she could play up. a weak character. <laughs> no, probably not. No, that's a good point. Good point. Well, the funny thing is, I find is. It's weird. I was watching the film and I was thinking, I think this is the first time I've actually seen the color of Lauren Bacall's eyes, like a young Lauren Bacall, because most of the films I've seen her in are black and white. Yes. And this was like one of the few films I saw and I was like, oh, that's color. That's what her hair looked like. Wow. <laughs> yeah. we, we could just mention something about the director as well. I mean, it's the same guy who, who directed The Guns of Navarone. Yes. Wow. Cape Fear. Yes. Uh, so because Ice this Cold and Alex as well, actually. Um, he d- like he one directed, of my favorites. Yeah, one of your yeah. favorites. He directed yeah. Ice Cold he, and Alex. He's the same director who directed ah! Ice Cold and Alex. So. I love it when we make connections So, yeah, like there's this. a connection and there. And we've got a John Mills connection. And we've got a John Mills connection, which you're, we're talking about. It's, yeah, you, it missed it at, you, begin, you missed it at the beginning of the show, Sharon, how yeah. we're talking about how this is part of a subgenre of movies, of vehicle across the desert movies. Yes. And we mentioned Ice Cold and Alex as the quintessential driving yeah. across the desert movies. So, yeah. And you'll fight the Phoenix. Yeah, this, yeah. did you say... Yeah, we said for, we, we said car across the desert. I called it Alex. Stage cross across the desert. Stagecoach. Yeah. Not quite a desert, but fraught with danger anyway. A ship across a forest. Fitzcarraldo and plane okay. across the desert. Um, uh, Flight of the Phoenix. And the original, the, not the remake. Um, yeah, yeah, obviously <laughs> the original. And the but, but we, we also said that we can't think. Well, I guess there's a camel across it. No, that's Lawrence of Arabia. Never mind. We've got lots of Arabia. <laughs> but but um, we said that this is about the only train across a desert film we can think of. Yeah, he also directed a lot of Charles Bronson in films. Yeah. So, so he's. Uh, What's his name again? Uh, J. Lee Thompson. J. Lee Thompson. Oh, cool, good stuff. So it's not a name that immediately comes to your mind, does it, when you think of? No, but that's and what films he, he's done. Yeah, well, Cape Fear as well. Joe would. Um, oh yeah. Like that one. Oh, the Robert so Mitchum. The Robert. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, Max quite a few. But uh, so some films. See, I mean, Guns and Navarone. I wasn't. What did you think? I know we've gone off on a bit of a tangent. What did you think of the Guns and Navarone? Is that the first one? No, I've only, I've only ever seen the second one, Force, Force 10, 10 from Navarone yeah, with I Harrison Ford, which will be... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I probably yeah. preferred the first one because it's got David Niven in and Anthony Quinn. Yeah. And I always liked those sort of 50s film. Mm. Gregory Peck as well, isn't he, in so the that's right. first one? And, and my favourite British actor, Stanley Baker. Yeah, good character yeah. actor. Cool. Yeah, I think I like that whole pluck. 
Okay. I have actually got an original film poster of that. <laughs> it's a folded one, but the guns are now running. Yeah. Okay, cool. Thank you very much, everybody. And now we're going to move on to... Um, Oh, every well, every time before we do this show, we don't just want to talk, talk about films we think are great. We also want to get like um, points of view from patients in the hospital. So today I went into a pest pet ward, and we're working on that theme song for Alveston. Yeah, we're to working the tune on the tune of Galveston. <laughs> to, the, to the tune of Galveston, we're working on the theme song for our pet ward, Alveston Ward, and say in the hospital. And I spoke to Valerie, and Valerie told me a little bit about well her early experiences in the cinema. And this is Valerie. I've switched on the recorder halfway through her telling me about Saturday mornings at the cinema when she was younger. Morning films with my brother, and I can remember we both were terrified when anything nasty happened. We ran up the aisle and hid behind the screen until it was over, and then we were back down again. <laughs> I don't really know what first film, main film I saw. Little Women Sticks in the Mind. A, you know, that was a real girly film, wasn't it? And I enjoyed that, yes, but... Um, and then I went on to, oh, my husband liked cowboys. We always went to the cowboys, John Wayne, etc., etc. Yeah, yeah. We had, and then when they came on the telly, that we had Saturday afternoons was always a cowboy film on. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I can't really remember apart from you know Saturday morning films I went to. Nothing sticks in my mind as a, um, you know, one particular one uh, to see. Yeah, so how long, ago, how long ago do you, if you can remember, was the first time you went to the cinema? Oh, it's got to be 66 years. Oh, wow. Because I'm 74 and I was probably six or seven when I first went. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was the Odeon and the Medina in Newport, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I think it was the Odeon that we used to go to Saturday morning. Picture sixpence to get in. <laughs> Did it still have the organ that went up and down? No, I don't remember that. No, okay. no. It's funny because somebody else mentioned that the other day, but I didn't. I didn't think Newport was that grand. <laughs> but I know it was really frightened of some of the films when I was young, definitely. But now, give me a book and I read anything that's you know murder and horrible. <laughs> I've changed a lot. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, That's thank you. Valerie Dixon. Valerie Dixon, thank you very much. Yes, Valerie, that's for you. And do feel free to come on over anytime. Come be on the show. We, it's, it was great chatting to you earlier. So, Valerie, yeah, Valerie was talking about Saturday mornings. Couldn't remember what film she saw particularly, but she remembered Little Women. And um, we were trying to pinpoint which one of these Little Women's versions it was. So, it turns out that I, I found a 1933 one. Char that's that starred Catherine Hepburn in it. And uh, what about you, Sh Sharon? Which one were you yeah, talking about? I was thinking of? of the one from the 1950s. That would was it was had, had Elizabeth Taylor as young Amy, and June Allison was Joe uh. in it. And I'm trying to think who played Professor Byrne. It was someone a smoothie of the fifties. I can't remember his name. <laughs> Terry Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but yeah, the, smooth, but, but you know, authoritative. <laughs> well, I, I think the only time I watched Little Women was when I was probably 
around my mum's. It's not the sort of film that I, that I would like. <laughs> but what, what, what a lovely lady Valerie is. She yeah, sounds yeah. absolutely cool, wonderful. She? she sounds great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you, it's one of my, it's one of my <laughs> favourite... I have to do with horror and I <laughs> horror. And it's like, cool. Brilliant. Yeah, there's it's like oh, oh, there's one of the favorite bits of this show, just going around the wards, going around the wards, and just sort of speaking to people and uh, meeting people like Valerie and all that kind of stuff, and like Victoria, who we said would go in touch with us on Facebook. So yeah, it's uh, it's uh, I actually quite quite like doing that that bit. So with this, I mean, Little Women, because I was I was saying just as when we were listening to that song, that I was telling Sean that it's essentially the American version of Pride. It was the American Pride and Prejudice. Yes, four sisters. Yeah, in they- the P and P has got five sisters, but yeah, with um, little women, yeah, the four sisters. I was, I just wrote them down. It's, I think it's Joe, Beth, is it Meg and Amy? Yep, that's right. Yeah, and I think obviously Joe is the she's the go getter, isn't she? She's the one who goes and writes the book. She, she, is, yeah, yeah. There's a, for me, I always thought there was a bit of similarity between Joe and Lizzie Bennett. Yes, Lizzie Bennett, and obviously there's the vain one, which is Amy, which is going to be Lydia Bennett, isn't it? So yeah. There's she's the vain, flighty one, and. Amy, she starts off vain and flighty because remember there's a whole scene about the limes where she swaps all her egg money to buy some limes because that's what all the girls has to have. And she gets caught with all these limes in her desk and so she gets her hand smacked and her mum's outraged that they've used corporal punishment against her daughter. (laughs) And obviously Lydia in Pride and Prejudice, she's the one who elopes with... With the rotter, Mr. Wickham. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. She, she you know, she's the one who looks with the idiots. Yes. <laughs> Have I making her a bit of an idiot herself? So I think Amy becomes a bit of a more likable towards the end. Yeah. Of Little Women. Yeah, because the Little, little Women, I think it's an, another way in which I I liken it to um, Pride and Prejudice is that it keeps getting made and remade and remade. Yes. And there never seems to be a time where somebody says, you know what, we need a new version of Little Women, and someone says, ah, no, no, not really. Or a new version of Pride and Prejudice say no, not really. It just keeps getting remade because yeah. you had, you said like the, the version with Elizabeth Taylor in the well, I think it's 1949. It was yeah. made again in 1994 with Winona Ryder, Winona Ryder. and Christian Bale. Yeah, yeah he was Laurie. Christian, Christian Bale, Bale playing Laurie. Yeah, I, still neighbor. And <laughs> uh, 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 the first time I ever saw the show, uh, I, I ever saw there was a there was a TV serial of it that we got in Nigeria. That we just used to watch every week. I remember, I remember thinking, I don't remember much about it, but I remember thinking that the main character was Joe, and there was a Joe and Laurie thing as to whether what was going to happen and all that kind of stuff. And it was a will they, won't they thing up until the end. And even though I was a young boy of around about eight, I remember being really, really annoyed when they don't. Yes, because you're led <laughs> to believe that they are. They grew up together, and they're they're almost soulmates because Laurie was always interested in her writing, and she, yeah, he participated yeah. in the plays that she made. Yeah. And all those things. And then he ends up marrying Amy. <laughs> yeah. Like, What's all that about? Yeah, I feel if I feel like I feel like Joe really, really messed that one up. Yeah. 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 And she <laughs> marries her older her older professor. You get the feeling that she's twenty, he's in his forties, so it's quite a big age difference between yeah. them. It's yeah. got, it must be a worldwide thing because I've just seen here. In 1987, Japan made an anime version of Little Women that ran for 48 <laughs> half-hour episodes. 48? Crikey. 48 half-hour episodes Well, yeah, but that, that's, that's what happens <laughs> with Japanese anime. It never ends. No. It never, I think one of the worst things you can do is to get into a Japanese animation and really, really love it because yeah. that's a lifelong commitment. It is. It lasts longer than some marriages. <laughs> and it, it was saying, actual with the book, it was based on um, on her sisters. The, oh, yeah, Lu- yeah Louisa May Alcott's family. Yeah. Family, yeah. 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 And it's that whole civil war thing, isn't it, as well, that sort of taps into, like, 
yeah, people sort of like these sort of periods in time, but it sort of ties in with the American Civil War. So I think immediately people can place it into a context. You can you can imagine what the clothes look like. You can imagine what yeah. the uniforms look like because her dad's obviously in the army. Yeah. And so I think you can put it in context where it's a, it's a period piece. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And like with with um, Pride and Prejudice, you know that it's the beginning of sort of that the Regency period. So immediately you can picture the the Empire line dresses and the ringlets and the hair. Was what was the latest version lovely. of Pride and Prejudice? Well, I hated it, that, yeah, but so there was Kieran Knightley. Kieran Knightley that was just... Oh, okay, oh, cool. oh yeah, we're talking yeah. about Pride and Prejudice now. Okay. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know I swept a bit, but I was <laughs> no, just no, thinking no, no, no problem. I, so, I so disliked Pride and Prejudice. But the television series that we all remember oh, with Colin Firth, was was, I think, is treasured, and I think I that still is. love it. Yeah, that's brilliant, actually. I must, I must admit, I watched that. We used to play a game, actually, where we would try to get a Pride and Prejudice quote into a conversation <laughs> without anyone guessing. Oh, wow. And then we'd say afterwards, I managed to say, no, 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 the blue one, which is what Colin Firth says when he's choosing the colour of his jacket. <laughs> but if you can get that into conversation, you've got serious kudos points with Pride and Prejudice <laughs> gal pals. Have you ever seen the 1933 Little Women? I mean, I haven't. The Catherine Hepburn one, would you remember? Sharon? I probably have seen it, but yeah. it's not one that sticks in my mind because I do remember the June Allison one more. So you're going to say something? Yeah, no, I just think June Allison. Wasn't she, did you, was she the one in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which she did a few shows ago? Is that right or not? No, she wasn't in that oh, one. Well. She was in the Glenn Miller story. Oh, she marries right. Glenn Miller. Oh, with Jim Stewart. With James Stewart. And yeah. there's a few other things she was in. Oh. Well, I don't know. But again, of her, she was in the 50s. She was, you know, yeah. very, very well-known star in the 50s with her little bubble haircut and her little slight lisp. Has she got a lisp? I I, I'm, I'm not entirely I sure. I always think of her as being a bit lispy. Maybe she's not. Yeah. Well, it's oh, Little Women. Well, thank you very much for that, Valerie. I mean, great choice. I mean, Little Women, I think you can go on and on about it. And we, there's bound to be another remake of that coming up. Coming up at some point soon. It's got to be, isn't it? There's really? got to be. It's, it's, I mean, it's, we're due. I mean, it's not until 1994. That's, what was that? Almost 20 years ago. It is quite a long time <laughs> ago, isn't it? And then one has actually made another version of it. There's bound to be another version of Little Women coming back sometime soon. Um, yeah, so uh, with that, anybody else have anything else to say in Little Women? Nope. Um, not at the moment. Nope. Cool. Joe? Nope. I'm not Joe. You're not Joe. <laughs> You're Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say read the book. It's a, it's a good read. And then enjoy the film as well. And like Valerie says, you know, put a bit of horror in there and put a bit of thrillers in there and then you can enjoy the girly stuff even more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool, good stuff. Thanks, Valerie. And, and now, thank you very much, Valerie. And now we have the um, we have the section of the show, which we have started doing, which is Hidden Gems. So we essentially look back and we say, look, oh, well, we've asked people on Facebook to actually give us a couple of films. And we say, pick a bona fide classic, but also give us a hidden gem, a film that's really, really good, but not not enough people know about. Not enough people have actually seen this film. And on Facebook, we had Peter Jenkins, or was it just Pete Jenkins, who got in touch with us, and he suggested he suggested a movie called The Medusa Church Touch from 1978, starring Richard Burton. And um, yeah, I actually watched this film earlier on today, and I think it's 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 good. It's interesting. And oh, I don't you know. Sh- oh, Sean's just itching. Sean's just itching to <laughs> yeah. talk about. It. I can see That's Sean, just, Sean, it's my era. Sean's just sort of like moving around in the seat. But before I know, we're going to play um, just so like, well, first of all, we've talked about Richard Burton before on this show, and we've also mentioned the voice, the voice. So I was going to get some music from Medusa Touch, but I thought, no, we need to have something that has his voice in it. So we have the trick because I think this film, one of the things that struck me is that he has some great lines. 
he delivers some great lines in the film. So here's the trailer that has some of the great lines in which that Richard Burton delivers in the way only he can. Nope, wrong. What's going on here? In ancient legend, Medusa was one of the three Gorgon monsters created to do battle with the gods. Anyone looking into the eyes of Medusa was instantly turned to stone. I have a gift for disaster. You seem to have survived it. I don't mean for me. I mean for others. He was found in his flat last night. Dead? Not quite, but he had been badly assaulted. But I assume he'll be all right then? He will never be all right again. I did not set fire to my school. I did not touch the brakes of my father's car. Therefore? Therefore, there must be something else. And was there something else? What else could there be? I made it happen. But you couldn't cause an accident miles away. I made that accident happen. If you say coincidence to me, I will drive my fist through your face. Somewhere deep within what's left of that brain, something is going on. It's grown stronger almost every hour. You know more about that brain than anyone. What is going on? I don't know. I made that school burn, the children, all of them. What am I? How can I will death? Could any of the other incidents Morla felt responsible for be called uh, disasters? Well, yes, one of them could be described that way. Were there any deaths involved? Yes. <laughs> Doctor, when I get behind a wheel, I have an insane urge to kill. We're all the devil's children. We find what powers the sun and we make bombs of it. We achieve power and we go mad. We always destroy. Against our reason, he believed he had the power to destroy a plane, to shatter a cathedral. He is alive. So is the belief. He said he would do it. I believe he will. I am the man with the power to create catastrophe. Okay, I've been holding you back too long, Sean. Go, go, <laughs> okay. go. The Medusa touch. Well, another, another great movie. Um, Richard Burton. The, the, the story is basically about somebody who refuses to die. He's, he's like, he doesn't die. He's unconscious. He's in a coma, but he's got this telekinesis power that he can cause. Probably you picked that from the trailer. Cause yeah. all sorts of things. Um, came out in about the year of like the Exorcist and the Omen, and yeah, uh, and a lot of the time he's sort of. Although he's unconscious, all these all these things are happening. I, I guess the reason I really like it is because all the cars and the, the themes of the time, you know, that's that that that's was my era. Yeah, that's 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 basically my era. You know, I think there's Ford Anglias in it that that um goes off the 
top of a cliff. He gets oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Where he, where his, where his, where, uh, he, because he, there's a scene where he, he causes his parents' death. That's where, right. Where they get yeah. knocked over a cliff by a car. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah so. so I mean, that's just like just go. That's it's, it's just full of suspense, really, and um, you know, makes a jumbo jet crash. I don't know if it's sci-fi or horror, but I, I, um, I'm not sure what certificate was, but it's it's just one of those really hidden gems you know yeah yeah I, say. I, i'll say that i'll say <laughs> that i think because I, I when i was watching this um earlier today i actually thought like you know the 70s were a really interesting time in movies oh, yeah because i feel like the a lot of the studios that were making films that you probably wouldn't see them making today and it has like because this film starts off with richard burton sat down in front of a in front of a tv watching a news report about these pilots are not this, this astronauts who are trying to go to the moon and they're losing it and they think they're losing and then someone touches him on the shoulder turns him around and then essentially bashes his head, head in, in. Yeah. And, and I've got to, when I'm watching it I'm going are they trying to do like a psycho here because you know how they do the whole thing about psycho how you have Janet Lee who was the big star in the movie sure. and then 20, 20 minutes in she's gone and you're thinking, what the, what else is left now? I'm like, okay, we've got Richard Burton. He's on the posters. He's on everything. He's the big star. And the film starts with him getting killed. <laughs> I think, <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think during that time, uh, during the 70s era, was like when the, the major film studios started to break up a little bit. You know, oh, yeah. They were, um, and there wasn't a lot of money about, and a lot of the studios were taken over. And, you know, there wasn't, it was basically the end of the studio system, I think, when, yeah. when films became more independent directors and things had a lot more control over what they so things 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 slipped through the cracks and yeah. i think as well we tend to forget that the 70s was a period of economic depression that's what as I'm well, saying. Wasn't it? there wasn't the money about to no, make the so film they, so they had to concentrate more on suspense action low budget films that yeah. were they're all character based aren't they or with the they're the things that you could do in-house that's right yeah correct yeah. Was, i mean i mean it's a great era there's some some yeah, and some films. good experimental films as well. You oh, could yeah. almost say this experimental in that, like films, modern films like May American Beauty, it's it starts at the end, doesn't it? You the, you know you see the ending, yeah, and then you find out how you got to that place. Yeah, because it's it's the, a lot of Richard Burton's scenes because are in flashback, mm. and it's flashback, and you get to find out about this character and yeah. about what actually happened in his life. And why about would how someone want get, to attack him? Yeah. yeah, it's like why would somebody want to attack him, and what was actually going on with him, and why does it seem that even though he's been he's been bashed beyond recognition, the doctors are like, there's still something going on in his brain. His brain, his brain yeah. is still working. His and brain's still functioning. Yeah, his brain is still functioning. The stuff is good. And you also see the, the police character who's like this French exchange police officer who's in London for a while. Who how You see how he comes to the point where he starts thinking there might actually be something supernatural going on here. So it's kind of like a grown-up mm. supernatural thriller. It is, it's, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's a kind of film that I kind of... When I saw it, I was imagining... It's the kind of stuff that could have been made badly and the kind of thing that will show up on the sci-fi channel. You know, all those films that nobody claims to like, but for us, they keep making them because secretly we actually do like them. But it's because it's got Richard Burton in it, it just elevates the whole thing to like a whole other level of seriousness. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking true. of what that. There's another film of a similar time. Again, I think it's got Roger Moore in it. And is it about a man... Oh. He keeps following himself, doesn't he? He, he works like he's like a got a double, and oh yes, that, uh, yeah, that I I know the film you're talking about. And again, about. it's quite low budget, but it's quite cleverly done, and it all hangs on the fact that it's got Roger Moore in it or someone of. I'm sure it is Roger Moore. Yeah, and you were mentioning another one as well. Oh, the Manitou, the Manitou with Tony Curtis, really, really camping it up. But it was um <laughs> this Manitou film. Uh, 
same same year, funnily enough. And um, basically, the Manitou obviously is a is a North American, yeah. uh, you know, uh, demon type thing. It's like and an it, urban legend type yeah. thing, isn't well, it? Well, this Manitou, there's there's a big boil on this this the back of this lady, and inside this is a is a creature, a Manitou, which is sort of manifesting itself, and it's just uh yeah, it's only courtesy, really, like, real campy <laughs> thing, the Manitou. Yeah, they year. went through this phase of making these sort of creepy, ear, more eerie films rather than it is. outright horror. Because even The Exorcist, it's more creepy, isn't it, and eerie mm. than... This, go- it's not gore, in it? <laughs> a psychic girlfriend finds out that a lump on her back is a growing reincarnation of a 400-year-old demonic Native American spirit. Okay. So, there you go. It's <laughs> 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 worth a, that's worth a catch. <laughs> Yeah, well, but it, it's. I think what you're saying as well is, I think it's quite true that it's, it, it what you were saying of whether it's a horror, it's a sci-fi, it's a thriller. It's kind of like one of it doesn't it it yeah. As Sharon, you were saying it's creepy. It's mm. it's creepy, and I think it's it is powered a lot by Richard Burton, who I think he's not he's not actually in like the the person who's in the most scenes is probably the police officer who's investigating this thing. Investigating, yeah. sure. But just when Richard Burton shows up and like the lines that he says and the character that he builds and like one of his first lines is I have a gift for disaster. And it's just and it's just <laughs> the kind way of he says it. Yeah, it's just the way he says it. It's like and and he he's well, there's a line that I love where he says to the psychiatrist that he goes to see who's played by Lee Remick. He says you spend most of your time leading people out of hell but you f- you refuse to acknowledge the devil. Devil, yeah. And it's just and also and they have all these shots that keep focusing on his eyes. And it's just like, you know, his eyes are freaky to look at. I mean, he just pulls that off so well. And he he talks to me, there was a little bit of it there where he says like, we achieve power, we go mad, we are the devil. We are. <laughs> and he, he just has this whole, yeah, almost, delivery. yeah, hatred that comes across for the human race. <laughs> so it was good. And uh, I, th- I was thinking about, because it's in the 70s, I'm thinking about what was going on in the world at that time why it seems like these films were being made because you have like your Vietnam stuff. It's like, you know, you have the Cold War era coming in and it seems like there was just like a general feeling that we were all doomed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you, everyone was surrounded by strike action and everything was a bit bleak, wasn't it? You had CND the, and all that lot. Yeah, the yeah. Nuclear, everyone thought that a nuclear war was just around the corner, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was. I think was the world a... felt like it was changing and it was a scary place. So you capture those fears and you condense them and you put them into a film don't you yeah do indeed, yeah. things yeah. that creep you out but one thing i remembered when you said you said the medusa touch i thought about the ending yes you know when the cathedral is all crumbling down yes and yes. they think oh this is what he's been planning yeah and then he reaches for the notepad and you get this shaky one word written on the notepad yeah uh, uh, and i remember that from a child thinking oh that's so scary <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it's it's so scary because i remember i remember the, those definite those when i was younger watching films and you would think okay cool don't worry things will get bad but it's okay because in the end the bad guy will be beaten and like you know we'll get rid of him and all that and this is one of those films that just doesn't end like that it, it essentially ends like there's no stopping this guy. Yeah. There is no way we can stop this stop guy. And the particular <laughs> word was like wind. I don't want to give it away, but wind scale. I don't think it's a spoiler for anyone. Yeah. But obviously, the potential being, you know, that's the nuclear power plant that he's kind of caused a nuclear disaster. Yeah. He's, <laughs> yeah. The yeah, fear of the 70s, wasn't it? The fear of nuclear war. He's going to cause it by his, this sort of malignant brain of his. Yes. Yes. And uh, so, Sean, I want to let you have the final word on this. Okay. Um, yeah, this is a great movie. I was actually just looking the the, the Roger Moore film. 
that Sharon yeah. mentioned is called The Man Who Haunted Himself. Yes, oh, that's that was it. it. Yeah. That's it. I remember. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, The Medusa Touch is one of those hidden gems. I guess not too many people would would know about it, but it's definitely, definitely worth a watch. I mean, I don't know if you can get it on DVD. Or I assume you can. You can get it on DVD, DVD yeah. and it is up on YouTube for now. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's actually I up sh- on YouTube. You can just I, search on YouTube and watch the whole film. I shall revisit it. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, check it out. See what you think. Yeah. Let us know because it's, it's, it's only a PG. Yeah. It's yes. Not, yeah. yeah. So. And oh, and just, uh, it's, it's actually based on a book. Oh, yeah, it's based on a book. It's, Sorry, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's based on a book by a guy called Peter Van Greenaway. And, oh, and just, oh, I am so sorry, <laughs> No, that's Sean. right. You, no, you I know, I, know I said I'll let you have fine. a word. No, no. You, but there's a bit in it. There's a bit in it where <laughs> he, where he, he, um, he essentially makes a plane crash into a building. That's right, yeah. And into a skyscraper. And I was watching it going, heck, this is like 9-11. 9-11, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, it's so, it's it's a film that, it's one of these weird things that happens in films that where they seem to be startlingly prescient. And it's kind of, almost you're just thinking and it's it's kind of the same fear that you know you have in the world nowadays, nowadays about what's happening can we actually stop any of these things happening that the film plays on which i just think is is amazing like what 40 years after the film was made or something like that it's it's yeah so it's a it's a good one pete pete jenkins thank you very much for that thanks, thanks you pete. For, thanks pete good choice let's yeah let's get some more of these films let's find some more hidden gems that not many people might know about and uh, now we come to a section of the show, which we call Isle of Movies, hey. which is where we talk about the times, a few and far between they may be, but they do happen, when Hollywood brushes up on the, on the shores of the Diamond Isle. And in some way, we have films involving the island, whether they were filmed here or there was somebody who was born here or someone who just lives here or someone who just visited here once. So, and Sharon, what are we looking at today? Yeah, this today we're looking at a film that was made quite recently, actually, well, within in the noughties, 2005's Fragile. Mm. And it stars Callista Flockhart of Ali McBeal fame. Yes, Callista Flockhart came to the island. And in honour of Callista Flockhart, there's only one song that I can think of playing. Yes, uh, that is Vonda Shepard with Searching My Soul, which was the theme song to the TV show Ali McBeal, which is probably Callista Flockhart's most famous role now, uh, well, to date. So, Sharon, Fragile. Yeah, fragile. Well, Fragile is one of the films It was filmed on the Isle of Wight, but it's also set on the Isle of Wight. Yeah, well, I found that that's really weird. <laughs> yeah, because basically the premise is there's been a, hor- a hideous train crash. And the local hospital, unnamed, but St Mary's, obviously, is full. <laughs> they can't take any more people. So Callista Flockhart's character is a nurse. She goes to this soon-to-be-closed children's home, which has, like, a medical facility to see if they can use it as a triage centre, effectively, where they can put non-emergency cases in there so that they can actually deal with more patients that they can't cope with in the hospital. And she goes to this children's home, and it's just about to be closed down, and there's only eight orphans left all quite young children and as she's there look uh, finding out about the children and about the hospital there's this unpleasant um entity yep. as it were haunting the building and it seems to have a particular hold on these young children they call it 
but um, alternately the, the mechanical girl or Charlotte. And Charlotte is, uh, I believe, you know, a child from the previous century who was put in these really horrible braces, these metal braces, to, to support her bones. And she's, her spirit still inhabits this hospital and she doesn't want to let go of these children that are still there. So, and she has this malignant influence over them. So we have uh, we have a essentially a haunted house movie set on the Isle of Wight. This, uh, yes, this sounds like it was made yeah. made in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> because yes, yeah. it's, it was it's it's when you look at the the information about it, it's penned as a thriller, a horror story, and a ghost story. Uh, and it was like a half English, half Spanish thing. Yes, yeah, so the director. This I don't know how it's um, I can't pronounce his name. I don't, I wouldn't like to embarrass him horribly by saying ha- it really wrong. Jaim Bal- Balaguero. That's better than I could say it. Jaime <laughs> Balaguerro. He directed it, yes. Yeah, so, and it's filmed, parts of it was filmed in Spain. The externals for this hospital were filmed in Berkshire at a place called Bearwood College. Because when I looked at the externals, I thought, that doesn't look like anywhere on the Isle of Wight. But then it said they filmed a lot of the, the roads and areas around it, but they actually filmed all the internal shots were on the Isle of Wight. Quite, which you think, okay. okay. So, so obviously, I mean, I, I haven't been on the island that long, but it's... Um, were you guys around when this one was being filmed? Yes, and I knew nothing about it. <laughs> it's one of those um, quiet ones, isn't it, really? <laughs> because, okay, this is 2005, right? And I was actually looking. I searched Callista Flockhart, Isle of Wight. And I looked at, and you know, there, were, uh, there were Guardian articles talking about the Isle of Wight. And they were talking about how, and there was somebody big enough the island going, yes, it's definitely changing. We even have Callista Flockhart of Ali McBeal fame <laughs> shooting a film here recently. It's like this, it's a Guardian article from... October 2004 called White is the New Cool okay. <laughs> and and it's and I've heard people who have said that oh yeah we remember going down to East Cows to actually watch this film being filmed and going oh my god it's Ali McBeal and all that because I don't remember it at all but I was imagining it doesn't specify it but I'd imagine was it around the Frank James Hospital was it around that sort of area because that would have been closed down as a hospital then yeah I actually do not know I think it was uh, someone said I think I don't know was there an old like uh, private school there or something for a while, at one time, because it's quite old. I, th- I, yeah. I and yeah, I've got I'm, lots of long corridors. And yeah, I got a feeling that it was like a some room. sort of school at one time. You know, like that a, would make sense of the like dimensions of the yeah. rooms. Maybe back but in yeah, the time of But yeah, it's quite the, eerie film and sort of, sort of creepy bits in it. They're, they're supposed to be. I mean, they say it's the most haunted, see. isn't it, the island? I mean, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. there's Ventnor <coughs> down the Ventnor Botanical Gardens. I spoke to this guy once, and he was working down there, and he said. Oh man, there's there's like some some sheds or something because it yeah. used to be for people for tuberculosis. And he said, I, I'm sure I saw a, some something run across the floor, like a <laughs> shadow run across the floor. Yeah, it was horrible. He said I did he a ghost there. walk there once a few years ago. One of my, it was my friend's thing. She likes ghosty things, so she said she'd do the ghost walk around the Ventnor Botanical Gardens. Mm, right. And it was interesting from a historical point of view, but I must admit I wasn't entirely convinced about the ghosts. No. Well, Likewise, I have done the Newport Ghost Walk because it's. I think ghosts are a big business on the island. They, 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 yeah. they are huge business on the and island. And so, yeah, the, the Newport Ghost Walk, again, I found it fascinating in terms of like a potted history of Newport because 
said, you know, this is a ghost of this royal lady who did this and that. And you think, actually, that tells you a lot about the history of the area. And I found that fascinating. Yeah, yeah. But I wasn't entirely convinced about the ghost. <laughs> no, no, no. I actually, uh, oh, because I used to live up at, um, well, what used to be oh. the old Wycroft Hospital. Wycroft, yeah. Almost everybody, <laughs> obviously. So I moved to what the island. Yeah, I moved to the island. I go there. I think it's a lovely building. It's a lovely property. You can never afford this in London. And then everybody, when I go where, where I live and, I, and when they eventually figure his work off, they're like, oh, oh my God. And, and I have people go like, okay, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. I don't believe in ghosts or anything, but I used to work up there as a security guard. And there was a bit where the lights were flashing and I found out that that was the same room that used to be like electroshock therapy. So yeah, ghosts a bit. Wait, once, <laughs> I, once I read it, I thought this is actually set on the Isle of Wight and it's like a haunted house movie. I'm like, that's like a perfect fit. Yeah, it works. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised. And all the books, is it, I can't remember her name. It's gay something, isn't it? But she's written loads and loads of Ghosts of the Isle of Wight books. There's yeah. a whole series of them. I still think though, Whitecroft. I know. I know you stayed there for, a while, but that that clock bit. The oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit, I lived. I lived right beneath the clock tower. That's like that. Still, even now, as you see it, it's it's, it's quite a. Well, you see, you see that's I, it. I think it's because everybody saw it and they they think it's kind of eerie when you see this clock tower and it's yeah, sort yeah. of like ominous and all that. I just used to see it and go, ah, home. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose for us, it was like our bedlam, wasn't it? It was the place that they used to to scare everyone with. It's like, oh, the, you better behave or we'll Wycroft. send you to Wycroft. Yes, yeah. it was the scary place. It was Bedlam to us. I mean, they might have been perfectly nice there. Because <laughs> I don't know anyone who was there or worked there, but I'm sure they weren't as horrible to the patients <laughs> as, There's as so we many, all feared. So many stories. I remember electrician guys, not electrician guy, had to put up C cameras and they said, um, oh, yeah, it's downstairs in the file where we keep the filing cabinets. And oh, yeah. They said, we're not going down there. You can go down on your own. And they yeah. said it was these, like, arches, which obviously had been you know cells at one oh, time oh yes 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 he said yes. that was pretty freaky he didn't really like it much it's strange <laughs> isn't it how hospitals have that air about them because yeah. they're places where people are helped helped yeah and healed i know people die there as well and people go through some of the saddest periods of their life there because you know th there is a place of sadness where people get given prognoses that aren't good but on the whole they're places of healing and caring so why should they be synonymous with scary ghost I, stories. I think it's the era. I just think it's the Victorian buildings are quite... Because mm. that's the, yeah. the era of Gothic novels and, and uh, that that sort of type of building, I guess. Yeah, at know. this point, I feel that it's um, pertinent to remind you that you're listening to Sunshine, Sunshine Radio. Radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. At St. Yeah, Mary's Hospital on yeah. the Isle of Wight. Your Place friend in your ear. Yes, yes. We'd... Yes. Anyway, but, but cool. So that's Calista Flockhart. And the thing is, because she's now married to Harrison Ford. Yes. And I think at this time, I think that they were actually going out. And so, and I think they, they come to England every now and then. Because once my friend was actually going on a, was going on a, oh, what do you call this thing? Like a long boat, a long boat mm -hmm. on the canals and all that. And Harrison, and they bumped into Harrison Ford, and they actually helped him like tie up his boat and everything like that with <laughs> Calista Flockhart. So I was thinking, does that mean that? If the times match up, we might have had Han Solo on the island. Yeah, it's very possible. It's very possible we could have had like imagine people being on the red funnel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just, oh, he could because he's a he's a pilot. He's actually like an accomplished. He could just have flown in. Yeah, he could have flown into Sandown or Pembridge or wherever the airport is. <laughs> okay, I don't care what actually happened. As far as I'm concerned, that is what happened. We had Harrison Ford on the island, 2005, claim to fame. I know. Uh, yeah. I know we had the people from um, the Twilight movies, didn't we? I yeah, some Robert of the Patterson kids and are saying they saw him in um, Ventnor. They saw them in Ventnor. What were so they, they doing there? I don't know if they practiced Oh, they just a had a holiday there. They used to stay in a holiday home near the near Ventnor. Or Robin Patterson and Kristen Stewart. Yeah, they were often seen at the Crab and Lobster and they were seen at the Winter Gardens. It was quite a thing at the time. Oh, I prefer Harrison Ford. Yeah, Harrison, <laughs> Harrison Ford's a better shot. 
<laughs> and we got him to look forward to at Christmas. Oh yes, we got him to look forward to at Christmas. All right. Um we are out of time. Oh. We are out of time. It's been fun. It's been fun having the show today. Thank you for listening to us. Thanks. Thank you to Valerie for telling us all about Little Women. Thank you to Victoria for getting back in touch with us. Thank you to Pete Jenkins for suggesting the Medusa touch. Until then, get home soon, get well, and remember that they just do not make them like they used to. Thank you.